Hey, Ruben Report podcast listeners, just a quick reminder that my first book, Don't Burn This Book, Free Thinking in an Age of Unreason, is now available for pre-order. In it, I show you guys how to navigate a world of outrage mobs, political polarization, and online censorship without totally losing your mind. Pre-order your copy now on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, or go to don'tburnthisbook.com and order yours today. All right, good morning, good people of the internet. At least it's morning here in the West Coast. 8.45 a.m. Pacific, 11.45 a.m. Eastern, and uh, later, if you're more that way, towards Europe and Australia and stuff. It's later in the day, you're in the future. I'm lagging behind, but I'm gonna do the best I can to give you some sensible information. Okay, we're in like week six of lockdown. Things seem to be getting a little bit weird. Uh, we're going to talk about that. I really want to focus on the upcoming election, which, you know, we're supposed to have an election. Everything that led up to the election, the debates, the conversation, the political partisan bickering, all of it seems largely, almost completely actually irrelevant at this point, which is kind of weird. And the Democrats have decided to just go in uh, with Biden, which is depressing and confusing and many other adjectives that Biden wouldn't be able to come up with himself. Uh, we'll get to that in just a sec. Just want to do a little uh, clerical stuff, and maybe Clyde will join us. He is at my feet right now. We'll see if Clyde wants to get up here at some point. So real quick, uh, this, this is a huge week for us. I would say that basically this week and next week, probably the, the two biggest weeks of my career. Um, my book, Don't Burn This Book, comes out next Tuesday. Uh, I finished writing this thing last July. We edited it in the fall up until about Thanksgiving. And then we've basically been sitting on it. There was a huge meeting with Penguin Random House and all the people about delaying the book further because of Corona and tons of books got delayed and some books got canceled and all sorts of stuff. But I was like, no, we've got to get it out. Get it out now. I just believe in moving forward, moving forward. You can't delay because what if this rolls into May, into June, into July? And more than anything else, I'm just super proud that the ideas that I present in these pages um, are actually more relevant now because of Corona when I talk about states' rights that suddenly everyone's talking about. And it's a huge part of this book. I talk about how the founders set up this system so that the states were mostly supposed to govern themselves and then the federal government can do a little bit. Uh, what I talk about related to guns and borders and China and a whole bunch of other stuff, it's all in here and all relevant. And I obviously wrote this way before Corona. It comes out next Tuesday and here's the deal, people. If you go to don'tburnthisbook.com, you can pre-order it from Amazon or Barnes & Noble or your local bookstore, you're going to get a confirmation code. And then if you go to rubenreport.com slash presale, you enter that code right in there, and we will take you to an hour-long video that we shot this weekend with my husband, David, interviewing me. We put up a little teaser of it on the channel already that you can see. We told a, a story about meeting Donald Trump at Mar-a-Lago back in December. If you haven't seen it yet, you should watch it. It's the first time we've really talked about it publicly. And it was it was pretty wild. I had some one-on-one -on -one time with the president. David had some one-on-one -on -one time with the first lady and some funny stuff happened. And just, you'll wanna check it out. And that's just a tiny portion of the hour long interview. David talks to me about a lot of, a lot of personal stuff and you get to meet him and, and hear about his life and what it was like to build the Rubin Report together. And yes, both of our names are David and people can't believe it and all that good stuff. One more thing, just a reminder to subscribe to this channel, click that bell and maybe you'll get our videos. That would be very exciting. And uh, don'tburnthisbook.com, order it there. Go over to rubinreport.com slash presale 
and uh, you will get that exclusive video, and the book comes out next Tuesday. Okay, so what do I want to talk about today? Well, first off, before we get to the election stuff specifically, uh, there was a video that was going kind of viral, as the kids say, on the Twitter yesterday, uh, which was YouTube CEO Susan Wojcicki. Uh, she was on uh, Reliable Sources with Brian Stelter. Now, as I always say, uh, the show should be called Unreliable Sources, and then it would make a lot more sense, but there he was, uh, Humpty Dumpty himself, Stelter, sitting there asking uh, Susan about misinformation on YouTube. Uh, this is obviously a topic that I care a lot about because I am broadcasting this on YouTube. Um, and she said something interesting. She Well, she said several interesting things, but there was one quote in particular uh, related to misinformation and what videos they allow up and what videos they take down. Uh, and she specifically said that they will censor people. Uh, the quote actually was, anything that would go against the World Health Organization recommendations would be a violation of our policy. That means the videos can be taken down. And we know at that point, you know, if that leads to a strike on your channel, suddenly you can't live stream, you get three strikes, your channel's gone. We know that they've just deleted channels just like that if they want to. Um, so I don't want to get into the whole thing about big tech. I think you guys know my feelings about big tech. And, and sadly, what has happened here is for the last two years, while many of us talked about big tech, um, then Corona happened and we all got more in bed with big tech, right? It's the only way we can communicate right now, except for locals.com, by the way, which is uh, my tech company that built rubinreport.com. And we're adding some huge game-changing people over the next couple of weeks. And there's a lot, a lot of good going on there. But I don't mention it to promote locals. I mention it because the idea that just because the World Health Organization says something and that if you contradict that on YouTube, they're going to take your video down and potentially um, potentially ban you, block your, you know, block your channel, suspend you, and the rest of it. Uh, just because the World Health Organization says something doesn't mean it's right. I'm not some tinfoil conspiracy theorist, but we know that the World Health Organization has made mistakes along the way about telling people not to wear masks and the rest of it. But even if they hadn't, even if they were a perfect system, which doesn't even exist, but even if they were... Um, why would we want to stop anyone from saying anything against what they order? And I think without getting too far into the psychology of this, this really explains what the, what the authoritarian brain is. The authoritarian brain loves authoritarianism. So they just love when organizations or governments or giant institutions just say something and they feel that that in and of itself makes it authoritarian, authoritarianative, authoritarianative, uh, an authoritarian voice. And it's not. Is that a word? I don't know. Um, but this is a really dangerous thing. Of course, we should be able to criticize the WHO. Of course, we should be able to say, you know, someone that there could be a YouTuber, there could be a scientist on YouTube that is looking at the same data that the WHO is looking at and may have a different feeling. Why, why should that video not be out there? Now, it's interesting that she's even saying it so upfront because, you know, the fact that she could just suppress the videos and not even say it is interesting. I will say one other thing on this, and I want to talk about the election. Um, I met Susan Wojcicki at the YouTube office. You may remember about a year and a half ago, there was a leaker at Google, at YouTube, who specifically said that Dave Rubin and Tim Poole and a couple other guys were amongst the channels that YouTube was suppressing. Um, and finally, it blew up enough that Susan sort of had to meet with me. She, it was clear that she didn't want to meet with me. I think she also met with Ben Shapiro and a couple other people. I, I took a picture outside YouTube and the first thing that happened when I walked in, the, the PR people were like, oh, you had to take that picture, didn't you? And it was just like very clear that I'm, I'm not like there and whatever else. And you know, I sat there with her and the, the PR people and I don't know, maybe there was a lawyer there, I'm not even sure who the other person was. 
And I have nothing against these people. I, I don't, I'm not, again, I'm not a crazy conspiracy theorist. Uh, she did agree to do my show. Um, so I've emailed her and DM'd her and tweeted at her. She's not following up. I would love to have that conversation. Um, but we had a full off the record conversation and I won't, I won't break that trust. Um, but I just mention all of this because as Corona keeps us in the houses and, and whatever happens after this, big tech is now looming larger than ever before. And we should be aware of that. So Susan, you are welcome to come on the show. I will treat you with the exact same respect. I treat everybody else. And that's that. Okay. Let's talk about the election. So there's a lot going on uh, right now, in case you didn't know that. And uh, part of it right now is that we have this election in November. That is not many months away, right? That's like six months away, barely. Now, a lot's going to change by the time we get to November. So it's a little hard to play the prediction game right now. But let's, all right, quickly, let's just talk about Trump and, and Biden. I think Trump's positioning right now, short of an absolute economic collapse or short of an economy that just cannot open, I think his position is basically pretty good, right? He's trying to give the power back to the states, which I think is the right thing, and then figure out where the federal government can do things. Uh, you can argue that he didn't do this fast enough or this, that, or the other thing. That's all completely legit. But I think his basic premise of we have to be harder on China, and he had the China ban. Um, I think he's been pushing the idea of states' rights. I think people are understanding that. I think he gets wins on things like the Second Amendment now because people are realizing they have to defend themselves. And I think people are thinking about government tyranny a little bit different, which is sort of interesting because all of these lefties that were screaming that Trump is Hitler for the last four years, which is insane, suddenly are going, oh, I maybe do have to defend myself against the government. So I think there's a lot of people waking up to all sorts of stuff. I saw a, a guy who's a hugely, it doesn't matter who it is, someone that I'm friendly with, but he's a, he's a blue check Twitter person who's got you know probably a million followers, uh, who's a lefty, progressive, the whole thing. I text him all the time and I try to explain to him why he's wrong about everything. And we have a healthy, basically a healthy back and forth, I would say. Um, and he was suddenly texting about, we need to lower taxes now because people need more money. And it's like, yeah, most of these, most of the things that I lay out in this book that are common sense principles. There's nothing controversial in this book. It's, it's common sense, but common sense is now controversial. Um, but I love seeing that suddenly lefties are going, oh, maybe the Second Amendment does matter. Maybe states' rights do matter. Maybe we should lower taxes. Like there's a lot of interesting things that I think play well. My point is that plays well to sort of the Republican or conservative base. Now, the, look, the issue with Biden, I've said it a million times, this guy does not have the mental acumen to do it. We know that the DNC is just dragging him there, right? Like in many ways, the DNC has to be thrilled that they can sort of hide him, although he keeps doing these video chats that are pretty awful and he keeps looking down at his notes and he still he still forgets what he's saying and it's pretty depressing. But they're just kind of dragging him there. I do, I will throw out one minor conspiracy theory here. This is something I've been thinking about a little bit. Remember that Bloomberg guy? I don't know what happened to him. Where, you know, he put, how much money did he put into 500 million into his election bid? Does he put any into any Corona, anything? Well, what if this, this is a little bit of a conspiracy theory. What if Bloomberg got in for those three pathetic weeks only because at that point, Biden was the front runner and they knew that everybody was gonna have to go after Biden and take him out. And they got Bloomberg in just to offer Biden cover for a little while to get the nomination. I don't know, it sounds like a conspiracy theory, but I actually don't think it's, it's probably that far from the truth. In any event, the DNC is sort of coalesced around him and he's going to be the nominee. But again, if you are voting for Joe Biden, who I do not think is a bad man, and you could probably find tweets of mine from 2008, if I was even on Twitter, but there was some public something, if not Twitter, that I was writing on a blog or something, when he was running 
against Barack Obama as the Democratic nominee. He ran in the in the primary. Um, I liked him. I liked Biden. So this is not anti-Biden. Um, I don't really like him anymore. Obviously, I've changed politically in these 12 years. Um, <clears throat> but the point is that everyone knows that, that the Obama video, you probably saw the Obama video endorsing Biden. And it's like, first off, watching Obama, Obama feels totally irrelevant now. Like, where is the base that loves Obama? I mean, I guess a few of them are on MSNBC, but where are the young people that love Obama? They, they, I guess they like AOC. God bless them. Um, so I just think they're going to drag this guy there, but you just have to know that if you're voting for Joe Biden, you're voting for his vice president. And that really, what's so damaging about that is people already know that the DNC is corrupt and they rigged it against Bernie last time. And that Donna Brazil, who was the head of the DNC at one point was handing questions to Hillary. And then she was a CNN anchor. We know about this deep corruption. And if they, if they really do this, where they just drag Biden there, knowing that this really is that you make the VP president, which it will be. Either they're gonna get rid of him at the last second right before the nomination or they do it right after or two months into the presidency, some version of that, and we all know it's true. Um, it would really show that the entire election process was, was fraudulent, really, that they just had a plan and they made that plan work. Um, and Bernie, by the way, will, will be totally destroyed in this, of course, which is, which is exactly what he deserves. You know, he, he's backed up the corporatist candidate last time, Hillary, and he's doing it again this time. And now the base will just have to destroy the old socialists. So I, I kind of dig that thing. But anyway, it's, it's a big mess. But, but relative to the election with Corona and everything else, we don't know when this is ending. States are going to have different things, right? So I'm stuck here in the People's Republic of California, at least for now. And it sounds like California, we've got a progressive governor and a ridiculous progressive mayor in this city. New York City has de Blasio. I mean, Jesus Christ, if you pray, now is the time. Um, certain places are going to have a much harder time opening up now. New York, because there's a much higher concentration of, of the virus, and in Queens especially. I heard actually that in Corona, Queens, that's a place, Corona, Queens, has one of the highest uh, rates of COVID, which is pretty bizarre. Um, but anyway, in any event, the idea of these populous areas having trouble opening up, big cities having trouble opening. But if you live in Montana or you live in Idaho or you live in Colorado or something like that, you might it might be a little bit easier, maybe not in Denver specifically, but you know, in places where people can move around more freely. And also beyond everything else, you know, at some point we have to decide, it's just the uncomfortable truth, we have to decide um, what kind of sickness and what level of death we would be tolerable so that we don't live in our homes forever. That's just a depressing truth that we all are going to have to confront at some point. But by the way, we do that every day with everything. There are diseases out there. People get hit by cars. Um, all sorts of terrible people get murdered. I mean, all sorts of terrible things happen. And we have to weigh that risk versus the reward of being functioning free human beings. So relating this all to the election, you know, you've been seeing a big push from Democrats now that they want to do it all by mail. And it's like, if there was ever a time not to fully change our electoral system, it's right now. It's like all of our systems are, are like kind of like this. They're all kind of shaking. They're all kind of weird. And the idea that we would change a system, we already know. I mean, look, the, the Democrats and the media didn't accept the election results last time. Now they've already got the excuse lined up and then they'll push for mail-in votes and then they'll say that didn't work. And that's not a defense of what the Republicans might do. Um, but if anything... This idea suddenly of a national voter ID, I know somehow people on the left think that voter ID is racist uh, or something like that. Um, but if the I would be okay with the federal government saying, if you're a citizen of the United States, we're going to give you an ID. That is the ID that you have to use to vote. And then we can figure out, is there a way to do that electronically, perhaps 
hopefully with some sort of paper trail and everything else. Um, but everyone can get an ID. There, there's nothing racist about saying someone should have an ID. How else can we have secure elections? You can just walk into a, when I voted in the Democratic primary here in California, I just walked in. I didn't show anyone ID. I said my name and my address. And actually my address wasn't even matched up to my current address because I moved a couple of years ago. Um, we need something that secures this. I have no problem with everyone having an ID. The idea that people can get IDs and that somehow is racist or something like that is bananas, but that's just sort of like mainstream progressive think. But do you believe you should have an ID to get on a plane? Do you believe you should have an ID to drive, to buy a beer or something like that? Like usually they're for IDs in that regard. Um, and these are people who love power. So the idea that this is the one thing, guys, that's left up to you guys, you all figure it out, um, seems a little bizarre to me. Um, so I, I think my general feeling would be that unless there is an economic collapse, I think this thing sort of shakes out well for conservatives, for Republicans, because I think that's where the ideas are tracking more correctly. And unfortunately, the left has just sort of gone off the deep end. Um, but we just, we simply don't know. Like we, there's, there are so many things up in the air. And let's not forget, we could also end up in some crazy trade war or even worse with China. You know, there's a chance that we that we have a dip in Corona over the next couple of months as the weather warms up and then people are saying it starts again. So what if, you know, we start opening states and then they have to close again? Like we really are in, in a new world right now. And I think we just desperately need some sane, honest voices. And it's like, damn, we just don't have them on television. And I guess it's getting irrelevant. And I, one of the things I've been thinking lately is, you know, so many of us, and, and I fault myself here too, we spend so much time railing on CNN and the rest of it. And it's like, if we didn't talk about CNN, nobody's watching CNN. But there's a feeling like we have to rail against it because it's, it's what is mainstream. So when Chris Cuomo, you guys probably saw this video, Chris Cuomo climbs out of his basement saying that he's been in quarantine for weeks, even though it's known that he was out while he supposedly had coronavirus just a week or two before. And he got into a confrontation with a bicyclist. And it's like they present this like WWE propaganda, like or not like a WWE skit, like it's a, it's, it's a CNN skit. It's a comedy skit, basically. And he comes up the stairs and he says, I've been working out and I'm sweating and he won't touch anyone in his family still. And it's like CNN is, is terrible. It's a terrible propaganda channel, but maybe we should just let it be. Maybe I should stop railing against it. And we just let that let it die. I don't know. It's, uh, I'm, I'm conflicted by that because you also want to call out misinformation where it is. All right, guys, a couple questions real quick and then I got to roll. Uh, I'm doing a ton of press uh, every day right now. I'm basically in this chair pretty much all day long. Got a little bit of a stiff back, actually, uh, because I'm just doing a, a ton of press. I shot the Ben Shapiro Sunday special. I'm the first ever two-time guest. That'll be up in a couple days. Um, I'll be on with Dan, uh, Dan Crenshaw and Glenn Beck. And I shot Michael Shermer's podcast and a whole bunch of other, a bunch of new podcasts that I didn't even know exist and a bunch of radio shows and all that stuff. So there's gonna be a massive push next week. So if you're not sick of me yet, you'll be sick of me by next week, I promise you that. Uh, and again, guys, if you want to uh, see the exclusive interview with my husband, David, uh, interviewing me and we talk about meeting Trump and what it was like, is Trump a giant homophobe? Find out. Uh, order Don't Burn This Book at don'tburnthisbook.com or wherever you get your books. And then go to rubenreport.com slash presale, put your uh, order confirmation number in there and you can watch that video. Okay. Um, I'll just do a couple questions real quick. Uh, Chianto, do you think the reopen protests are effective? Um, they're effective, I would say, at some level because, it, first off, I think they're personally effective. If you want to get out there and voice your opinion and hopefully do it responsibly and wear a mask and stand, you know, stand a couple feet away from people and tell your government that you want to be heard and all that, I think it's your right and, and in, many, in many ways your duty as an American to do it. 
So I think they're effective in that way. I think um, that showing people that you can stand up for yourself is also important. And then watching, you know, I was watching like, you know, these, you know, Jimmy Kimmel had this ridiculous tweet about how these people, something to the effect of like, these people are, want us all to die. And it's like, no, Jimmy, you elitist millionaire. No, they don't want you to, Jimmy, who's been in blackface, by the way, Jimmy. Um, they just they just want to live freely and go back to work and maybe not trust the government fully. That's sort of an American thing. Um, and, you know, I saw some other comedians do that sort of stuff. And I think actually the pushback against it is even better than, than before. So I think some good things are happening. So I think people just have to responsibly do what they think is right. I'll just do two more. Real quick, Nate, Dave, any plans to continue doing stand-up once the uh, pandemic is over and the book tour are finished? Yeah, I hope to get back to it. I mean, most importantly, we're going we're gonna to get the tour going, and I, I cannot wait. I mean, I was supposed to be in New York City this week doing a ton of press and all that stuff, and now I'm obviously not. I'm doing it all from here. And then the book tour was supposed to launch on the 28th. Next week, we were doing the Gramercy Theater in New York City, and then we were doing a countrywide tour. We will do it at some point, and I will shake your hands and all of those things. So we will do it at some point. And, and then, yeah, I'll get back to stand-up after. And then, um, oh, this is, this is an interesting one. Chris says, you mentioned on Twitter yesterday that Tim Pool finally took the red pill. What do you consider the red pill to be? So the red pill, of course, is, um, is, a, is a commentary, or it's a moment in the Matrix movie when uh, Morpheus offers Neo the choice, right? You can take the red pill and see reality as it is, or you can take the blue pill and just go back to sleep, live your life not knowing what the truth is. This has become a meme sort of of the internet where it's like, if you kind of get over the factory settings nonsense, Democrats good, Republicans bad, lefties like poor people, people on the right like money, like all of that nonsense, Democrats are for peace, Republicans are for war, all of the things that culture sort of treats us, which by the way, I, I talk about pretty extensively in the book. Um, if you are over that and you can see the world really for what it is, as uncomfortable as that is, and for the price that you will pay, right? Like the life that Neo lives after taking the red pill is a much harder life than he was living before in his little cubicle, just being a programmer. Next thing you know, he's fighting guys in slow motion. There's bullets flying everywhere. That's a lot. Um, if you want to see the world as it is, you got to start understanding that there's some more information out there that maybe you were a bit brainwashed on and it's a very uncomfortable thing. And, uh, and Tim had a tweet, uh, what was the tweet specifically? He had a tweet in effect. He was, it was something to the idea of, um, oh, somebody had sent out a tweet saying that people, that the protesters, um, should have to sign waivers saying that if they get Corona, that nobody should have to take care of them. There should be no health insurance and you know, that the state should have nothing to do with it. And Tim basically wrote back and he's like, all right, well then if we're gonna have health insurance for everybody, I guess if you're fat or you smoke or you don't exercise, blah, 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 then, then that shouldn't be on the rest of us too. And that's like a very red-pilled commentary that if we're all in this together, we're gonna start watching each other. If we're all paying for each other, then why should a person who's perfectly fit, who eats well and everything else, pay for a fat smoker who does high-risk behaviors and all sorts of other stuff? Like that's like a very red pill thought once you start unfurling some of this stuff. Anyway, guys, don't burn this book.com. Get the book, pre-order it. It comes out next Tuesday. I know you will dig it. I promise you will dig it. And if you order it uh, before Tuesday, basically, for the presale, uh, you can go to rubenreport.com slash presale, enter your confirmation code, and you'll get an hour-long video uh, with me and David. And we talk about building the Ruben Report and a lot of personal stuff and all kinds of good stuff. Clyde, you didn't get up once for this thing. All right, guys, I got a crazy day ahead. Hope you're all good. Hope you're safe. If there's any anything you need, if you're going through something, if you lost your job, whatever it is, keep us abreast of things. Tweet at me. Uh, you can email us, contact at rubenreport.com. Don't forget to subscribe. Click that bell. 
and uh, have a good day. Stay safe. Hey guys, just a quick reminder that the Ruben Report community is officially here. This is the first project of my new tech company, Locals.com, and you can get ad-free video, ad-free audio podcast. You can communicate with me. You can communicate with other fans. We've got a news feed that has no algorithmic manipulation. There's no shadow banning or de-boosting or the rest of it. We're gonna be building out these communities for all sorts of creators over the next coming months. But right now you can sign up at rubenreport.com or you can download the Ruben Report app in the Apple App Store or on Google Play.